When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Boobies and Newbies, brought to you by the Frolic Podcast Network. podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box and brave the unbridled world of erotica. I'm your host, Kelly Reynolds, and after spending the first part of October, or Cocktober, as it's known on this podcast, catching up on episodes, I am excited to finally be putting out the first episode in our Bite Me series. Now, Bite Me could refer to a lot of creatures in romance, but in this case, I'm talking werewolves. So get ready to howl at the moon for today's reading, because the only thing better than one werewolf is two werewolves. Now, you can always catch up on past episodes of Boobies and Newbies on your favorite podcatcher or on boobiesandnewbies.com. And of course, if you want to support the podcast, reviews on Apple Podcasts are always appreciated. It might seem like something small, but really, reviews make a huge difference for indie podcasters like myself. If you're feeling really generous this month, please consider supporting Boobies and Newbies on Patreon. I am not even kidding when I say that every dollar counts and we have tiers starting as low as $1 a month. Plus, we have a lot of fun and with my annual holiday special, the 12 Days of Boobs Miss coming up soon, patrons will be the first to know about everything that's going on. Book picks, giveaways, interviews, etc., You will find a link on the website. You'll also find a link in the episode notes today. So please, please, please consider coming on over and joining the Boobies and Newbies fam. But that is enough business talk for now. Let us get down to the romance. Joining me today is my good friend and former college roomie, Valerie Johnson. Although I call her Valpal or Valerie Johnson Johnson, seeing as she married a man with the same last name. Valerie is also a new mom, so this episode will last about as long as the morning trip to the park. So please join me in welcoming Valerie. Hello. Thank you for having me. I I feel like this has been a long time in the making because... I want to say I asked you back in like February or something if you wanted to do an episode of the podcast, but you know, you had an infant. 
And as cute as she is, that makes it difficult. Yes, it really does. (laughs) It turns out babies take up a lot of time. It's time, energy, money. I mean, just like add to the list. (laughs) But now she is over. She's one years old. She is one year old. Like it is. I cannot believe that a year ago you were texting us from the delivery room having a baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I texted our group chat almost through my entire labor. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. We got photos, nothing graphic, yeah. um, and, you know, updates. Yeah. And I-, I remember you being very hungry because they wouldn't let you eat anything. That is so true. That was the worst. Well, because it was a male doctor and he's like, no, you can't eat. And then there was a doctor shift change and the female doctor came in and she's like, do you want to eat? And I was like, uh, yeah. She's like, just I'll sneak you some toast. I was like, thank you. Oh, my God. Really? So he was really just starving you. Yeah. <laughs> I will say too, now granted, I know nothing about having a baby myself, but I I don't think I've ever noticed that in like any portrayal of like the birthing process in movies, TVs, even in books where they anybody's mentioning like that they can't eat. Like that's never something that I've I've noticed. So I don't know. It, like is that it is are a you thing. supposed to yeah, stop I mean, eating? Yeah. I mean if you're gonna have like possibly a c-section you're not supposed to eat before the surgery okay so there was a chance i might need a c-section but i didn't need one and so this lady was like yeah you can eat you're fine <laughs> like, thank you bless you <laughs> yeah I, the only thing i always remember from like tv shows and movies where people are having a baby is like the ice chips like they're yeah they're feeding them like ice chips and, and I that's was like, why is that it? That's what you get to eat? Ice chips? <laughs> yeah. Like, mmm, tasty. Yeah. Yeah, but my labor was like 22 hours. And so, and I hadn't eaten since the day before. So it'd really been like <sighs> two days without food. <sighs> yeah, I know. <laughs> where, where are you supposed to find the energy to like push out a human? Like if you don't get to eat? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I wouldn't have had a baby if I didn't have that toast. I think she'd still be in there. <laughs> You've heard it here. You've heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Now, I'm curious. I know um, as far as like your relationship with reading romance goes, because I know that you're a reader. I know we've talked about books in the past, but how much of a romance reader are you? Not a very huge one. Um, I read in high school, I read Nicholas Sparks. I read the uh, notebook. Him. Yes. <laughs> him. And I liked the notebook. So I said, oh, I'll read more. And then I read more and I, they all kind of followed a formula. And so I was like, well, I know what's going to happen before I read the book. So yes, I kind of stopped reading him and just assumed that was most of the genre, mm-hmm. which turns out it's not. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I don't really, I read a lot of like mystery and thriller type books, nonfiction. Mm -hmm. And so I know ever since I've talked, known you, you've talked about romance (laughs) and I just, (laughs) it was never something that I picked up, um, until you have recommended a couple 
books throughout the years that I've known you, and those have been good. What did I recommend? I'm so curious. Oh, let me think about it. The one that I really liked was the one, I cannot think of the title, but it's two older women. Okay. Uh, They're like trying to get back at this guy who's trying to take the older lady's money. It's a really funny little novella. And it's a, is it a romance between the two women? Yes. Older women. Is there an older woman like on the cover? Yes. I think she's in a blue dress. <gasps> okay. No, no, no. I know exactly what book this is. I I do know what this is. I'm like picturing the cover. I'm trying to remember who it is. Why do I want to say it's like a Courtney Milan book? But I could be. <gasps> I think that's it. That sounds very familiar. And I've recommended it to other people. And other people who are not into romance have also enjoyed it. <gasps> oh, good. See, that's exactly. Is it? Mrs. Martin's in- Incomparable Adventure. Yes, that's the one. Okay, I do I do love this book. And this is, by the way, like the book that you will see on a, a bunch of lists that's like, if you want a heroine that's over the age of like 35. I mean, if we're talking over the age of 35, this woman is in her 70s. Yeah. Like she, she's a widow. She's in her 70s. So like if you, this is definitely like, by far the oldest character I've ever read in a romance novel where like they are like the main character having a romantic storyline. Like, I mean, obviously in a lot of romances we'll have like the fun old granny character (laughs) who like is, you know, setting people up and, you know, has wild sex with like the neighborhood men. But this is like, what if she was the star of yes. the book? And that's exactly what this book is. So that was a good one. Okay. And there's been a couple others, like holiday ones, 12 Dates of Christmas. Oh, it's yes. Not, it's not like a super hardcore romance novel, but it was cute. Yes. This is a overall complaint I have about a lot of holiday romance is that a lot of it is closed door or um, mm-hmm. definitely on the more PG side. And on the one hand... I totally understand it because I feel like when a lot of people read a holiday romance, they're almost just as much looking for like the holiday shenanigans as they are the romance itself. Like they want the cookies, they want the cocoa, they want, you know, all the C (laughs) words. Um, But except for one, Um, I just like, I want it to be steamy too. Like, I don't think there's any rules about having, you know, not like you can have hot crazy wild sex while baking cookies. Yes, it is possible. (laughs) So that's what I'm looking for in my holiday reads. (laughs) Well, I'm going to need some uh, recommendations then when the holidays roll around. I know, I know. And we've got them coming up. We've got all sorts of, and I have to say, as I've been selecting the books for the 12 Days of Boobsmiths this year, Mm -hmm. I've realized there are so many so many incredible like holiday books coming out just this year like I mean not not even counting ones that have come out in like years past but Mm -hmm. like there's no way that I can read all of them for the podcast (laughs) there's no way that I probably can read all of them period and so it's been it's been a lengthy process just whittling it down to what I will read for the 12 days of boobsmas but I'm happy to say that as of us recording this episode, I've locked in all the guests for the 12 Days of Boobsmas. I've Yay. locked in all the books. I've got all the books for giveaways. So like it is it is a go. It is a go. And like if people don't like the book selection, oh well. It's <laughs> it's done at this point. 
Great. Well, I can't wait. I'm curious, have you either before having a baby or since having a baby, have you read any romance with like a secret baby romance or like a single parent romance, something having to do with parenting in romance? No, but I'd be interested. Yeah. Like how many books have babies or like, what about like a pregnant lady? Yeah. Or individual. Yeah, that's actually... Like, does that exist? There's definitely a lot of... The secret baby trope is one that is widely discussed um, because I think people are either very pro or very anti-secret baby. (laughs) Secret baby in... In what, in what sense? Like, the, like the... <laughs> not not like oh, it's a secret to me that there's a baby inside me. Not not like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know I was pregnant. <laughs> like until I was giving birth. Oh my god, that's isn't that a show? Isn't that like a TLC? It's a show. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it is definitely not that. It is more of like um, you know, somebody hooks up and then maybe they go their separate ways like like it was a vacation fling or something and then oh surprise you're pregnant oh. and like oh um you don't know how to reach the father uh, you know and so and then I don't know maybe he finds her again when she's like six months pregnant or usually it's that she's already had the baby and it's like it's always like some either the hero or like somebody related to the hero sees the baby and sees like the baby's eyes and is like, oh my gosh, this must be this person's child because only he could sire a son with these piercing blue eyes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, if you've ever seen a newborn baby, they all kind of look a little alien-esque. My own included. Sorry, baby. <laughs> but there's no, I don't know. I don't. I feel like it's hard to just see a baby and know that one's mine. Yeah, I know. And that's, and that's why I, and this isn't a conversation I've had with anybody that I can think of is like, I'd be really interested to hear like from a parenting point of view, like reactions like you could start your own damn podcast let's be honest about like (laughs) reactions to like secret baby romances or um like the single parent trope is something that I actually do like in romance especially when it's a single dad because we all know men holding Mm -hmm. babies are like sexy as hell like it doesn't matter if you if you're somebody who like tells yourself like I don't want a baby I don't want children if you see a man holding a baby and you're attracted to men in general you're gonna fall in love it does something (laughs) oh yeah for sure it's just I I don't know what it is what what is that is I mean is it just like showing like a like a caregiving side of men or like a vulnerable a vulnerable side yeah, of men. Yeah, it's like tender and yeah, like a caregiving. And I I guess it's not super widely prevalent in, you know, culture and media and stuff. It's not the men are not usually the gentle yeah. caregiving type. Mm-hmm. So when you see that, it's like, oh, I know. Well, and what's what's interesting is like we definitely don't apply the same principles to like a woman holding a baby. Like I, I don't. At least I, I don't hear it talked about where you're like, oh, well, damn, see that woman holding a baby, see that woman breastfeeding her child, mm, yummy. Like I, and I'm just like, that to me is like really incredible because I'm like, you pushed a human out of you. Um, but. 
yeah. or, or however else you, you know, happen to have a baby. But I just, it, it is interesting that we apply this, like, uh, I mean, it is, it's almost like a male gaze or like a fetishization towards like men with babies mm-hmm. as opposed to like women with babies. Which is like kind of bullshit because oh, yeah. I tell my husband all the time, like, you're not the babysitter. You're also the equal parent. Mm. So you should do, and he does, he's great. But like, we have equal responsibilities with the child and I shouldn't be the default parent. Right. But so often the mom is like the default parent to the child. And then when the man has some free time, then, oh, there he is. Look how cute it is that he is parenting but yeah how cute yeah how oh (laughs) isn't that well and and there's so much like forgiveness attached to it like I've seen this on TikTok lately where um it'll be like here's what mom does with the baby and it's like all the responsible things here's what dad does and it's like him feeding the baby a beer and like you know like throwing (laughs) it like a football I you know whatever and yeah and it'll be like ha 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 isn't that cute and people are just like no this is not cute like stop treating this like it's a like it's just we're poking fun like hold him responsible for raising his child as much Mm -hmm. as the the maternal figure you know I mean and it's oh gosh and I wish I could say that we were discussing like a single parent book today or (laughs) a secret baby but we absolutely are not this was just something that as somebody who's one of my friends that has a child I it's something that I wanted to hear your opinion on because you have a perspective that I don't um, as mm-hmm. far as like siring. I don't know why I'm like so attached to this word of like siring <laughs> children. Like I, it's such a funny term to me. Like I want to say it as often as I can. I love it. I'm going to start using it. <laughs> this siring. is my, do you say like, this is my sire? Like I sired this child. I don't <laughs> I'm going to be honest, I've never heard this term, so I, I don't know <laughs> Maybe it's because how been, it should be used. I've but. been watching a lot of Outlander lately. Maybe that's why. Like, I oh, think it's okay. definitely not of this time. <laughs> okay. Anyway, food for thought. Um, but <laughs> today, I, I will say that we do have an ending with a baby in, in yeah. this story. Um, and so... There is a small tie-in to all the madness that I've been (laughs) sharing, but just so everybody knows, today's book is The Witch's Wolves by Ellie Mae McGregor, and this is a MMF, a male-male-female polyamorous romance published in July 2021. It's available on Amazon for free if you've got Kindle Unlimited. Otherwise, I think it's just 99 cents, so definitely a steal. It is also a short novella, so um, Valerie and I both read this book in the bath. (laughs) Yeah, we did. Not together. Not together. Separate baths. (laughs) I would have have totally read this in the bath with you, though, just so you know. Um, I would, too. Yeah, communal, communal bath time. Um, and for reference, Ellie, the author whose book we're discussing today, is also a former guest of the podcast because she is also a book blogger. So earlier this year, Ellie and I discussed Elia Winter's Tide Score. It was one of our yummy love picks and a kinky one at that. Um, and during the episode, Ellie actually mentioned her work in progress at the time, which was a male, male, female poly werewolf novella. So Whoa. it's kind of funny to come full circle of like hearing about it 
as Ellie was writing it and then to see it be published and then to read it and then to discuss it on the podcast. So here we are. We've got it. It's it's in existence at this point um, and perfect timing for Halloween. So let me go ahead and just give everybody the brief synopsis and bless Bless you, Ellie, because this is actually a brief synopsis, which you don't <laughs> you don't usually get on this show, let's be honest. And then we will dive in. So here we go. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Little Red Riding Hood is all grown up. And she's queer. Oh, my God. Best sentence ever. Um. Okay. I'm not sure how you pronounced her name. I said M- Manon. Okay. So did I. Okay. But then I looked it up and it's French. I looked up all the names and they're very French. Yes. But I don't have that accent. So. Okay. That's that's true. And you know what's funny is I I took four years of high school French and yet I, I definitely recognize the fact that they were speaking French to each other from time mm-hmm. to time. Um, but I don't know why I didn't apply the accent to her name. Maybe because I was reading it and not like saying it. So I guess it would be like Menon. Menon. Yep. Yep. That's it. Menon. (laughs) There you go. Four years. Uh, Glad it went to use. Um, Menon has been caught in one scandalous situation too many. Now she's on the run. When she finally sees a lone cottage in the woods, she thinks she's found her salvation, only to find that she's stumbled into a den of wolves. But she soon finds that these wolf men are much more interested in pleasure than they are in pain. That's it. Excellent. Yeah, that was was a good synopsis. I happen to love a synopsis like that because I feel like it doesn't dive too deep. It doesn't give too much away. Like it's really just kind of like setting you up for she gets there. She's in this house. It's not what she expected. There's going to be pleasure. Like I'm like, great. That's that's all I need. I hate the ones where it just it gives away almost the whole thing. And you're like, well, why would I read it now? It, I can guess what happens. It's like watching. But from this one, you can't guess. Yeah, exactly. It's like watching the movie trailer where it like gives all the good parts. And then you see the movie oh, and you're like, yeah. oh, my God, literally everything that was good was in the trailer. <laughs> yes, I hate that. Yeah, I'm with you. So we don't hate this, though. Um, No, this was great. Well, Val, I want to turn it over to you and ask you about initial impressions and overall thoughts. What do you think? <laughs> I, my initial thought when I read, when I finished it was like, Stefan from SNL, this book has everything. Oh my gosh. We are loved. Threesomes, hand stuff, oral stuff, butt stuff, <laughs> charcoal nudie sketches a la Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic, werewolves with abs, you know, 
all this stuff, lube, consent, all of it. Oh, yeah. Everything. Can I tell you the minute? Let Oh, my God. I mean, people know who listen to this podcast how much I harp on the use of lube in romance. Like, not just not just for butt stuff, which is a absolute must. Like, if, if I'm reading a scene with butt stuff and there's no lube, we're done. That's it. That That is like an instant <laughs> DNF for me. Like, I'm done. But... Like, I, I want to see lube used more widely in general in romance. And so the fact that this book clearly takes place in a different time and place, like it is, it's never specified like, oh, this is like the 1700s or this is like an alternate reality. Like there's never mm-hmm. any like specifications, which honestly I I think was a good choice because then it's kind of like interpret as you will. Like, is this just... Yeah. A different version of the world today is this from a mm-hmm. different time and place um they do speak french occasionally so um you know i, I like to uh, assume that they're in a european country however it's all up to you but the fact that they in this other world this other time still use lube i mean they don't call it that they don't it's not in no. a a tube that you squeeze out. But the fact that they still have like their version of lube, I just was like, bless you. Bless all of you so much. And you can tell that, I mean, it's stuff like that that reminds me like, yes, Ellie is an author, but she's also a reader. She's also a a blogger Mm -hmm. and a lover of romance. And her handle on Instagram is bisexual book nerd. So she is a queer identifying author. And like, it's stuff like this that makes me know like the validity and like the credibility of the person writing the book. Like, and I'm just so appreciative. So appreciative. Yeah. I mean, since I don't read very many romance novels, I don't think I've ever come across a scene with lube. And I was like, this is so, this is so realistic. Like good, good job. I loved it. (laughs) I did too. I did too. And you know, we've been talking a lot about monster romance lately. I don't know if you know this, Val, but like monsters are like on Wednesdays, we wear pink on Thursdays. We read about monsters. Like monsters are very in, in romance right now. We've got ogres. We've got wolfmen. We've got swamp people. Like it is hot, hot, hot. And so I'm always curious to see like, okay, when we're talking about something that's not particularly human, like what do they look like? Because werewolves, I mean, although they're like, I feel like one of the more widely known creatures in lore, like they still can look different in everybody's version of a werewolf story. And so I liked the descriptions of the werewolves in this book because they they're they're tall. They have abs, like you said. I mean, yeah. there's there's a lot to them that is very humanistic, but like also yeah. they're um they're covered in hair. Um you can still see part of their faces. I think she even says um like they're their eyes were clearly human. His ears were as a wolf's. The bottom of his face where a wolf's snout would be was only slightly elongated. So it's kind of an interesting like hybrid of like what these wolves look like. I I also appreciated the description because then it didn't it did make them a little more human. And so in my mind, it made it easier to kind of digest this. <laughs> 
relationship <laughs> and not not just like you know without like thinking of it as like bestiality <laughs> right yeah <laughs> I got you no I, I totally get it and and she also differentiates between what the two wolves look like like they're they're different colors um yeah. I think Eamon is like a little more gray and Bastion is like a little more of like a brownish mm-hmm. wolf um and so I did like like from the get-go we we kind of can differentiate like what who each of these wolves are like we've got Eamon yeah. and we've got Bastion they they are both wolf men I guess um but yeah. they they look a little bit different from one another um they both also have very like specific voices to them like I kind of and I'm not sure if this was Ellie's intention but like Eamon to me is the alpha a for alpha a for Eamon and then Bastion is the beta like b for beta b for Bastion and um I don't know if that's me reading into it or if these were thoughts that Ellie actually had while writing it but um that kind of that kind of helped like the, the more that they talked I feel like that kind of like informed their relationship to me yeah. of like differentiating between like, okay, we've got like the sarcastic dominant alpha. And then we've got Bastion who is like, oh, oh my gosh, like I my know. heart. Like I, he gardens, he gardens. Yes. Yes. The, they did have two very different personalities and it was great to see so quickly how you could differentiate because the book is short. It's a novella. So it kind of just like yeah. chops along real quick. But you still get that character building. The other thing I really loved was that the relationship. Um, I, I feel like I, I read a lot of Polly stories. I really do love. Okay. I love a good triad. I love. I mean, hell, put like four or five of them in there, like whatever. Um, but <laughs> I, what I love about polyamorous romance is that every dynamic is different, just as it is in real life poly relationships. Like sometimes it's one person having relationships with multiple partners. Sometimes it's multiple partners all involved with each other, as we see in this story. Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a a central couple and then one person is having other relationships or they're both having other relationships that don't necessarily know each other or like are involved with one another. So I love seeing different versions of poly romances. So if anybody listening is like, oh, I've never read a polyamorous romance, just know they're all different. So, I mean, you might find that you read one that you're like, ooh, sword crossing. Um, I love a good, uh, that's the penises. Like, ooh, I, pe- yeah. I, I, I figured that one out. <laughs> this is me, for everybody listening, this is me crossing my fingers in front of each other as if they were penises or too. swords. <laughs> um. Some people just want it to focus on like the female pleasure and have multiple male partners pleasuring her. It's really your own prerogative. It's whatever, you know, what's your whistle? And um, for me, I love a good sword crossing. Um, I will say it's very rare for me to read a book where the couple to begin with before they bring in somebody else is of the same gender. So I think this is one of only two books that I can think of where the couple to start with are the two men. It's it's Bastion and Eamon. And then Menon happens to be the third one that they add into 
their relationship. So I, I loved that it kind of focused on this already established relationship between these two men because we don't get to see that as much. And I just, I loved that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't read any other polyamorous books, so I don't have (laughs) anything to yet. Yes. This is the first (laughs) of many, but I loved their relationship. The two wolves, like they had a really good, cute, loving relationship, just the two of them before she even showed up. Yeah. Very heartwarming. Very heartwarming because One of my favorite things is like when they're both clearly attracted to Manon, like I I forget if it's it's probably Eamon who says it, but he says something to her like, you know, if if we're going to let you stay, like I have to talk to my partner because like, yeah, we're both into you. But at the same time, I've made a commitment to this man and like I'm not going to do anything that could potentially hurt the man that I love. And I was like, healthy relationships, communication. What? <laughs> yeah. And then they go off and have their own little discussion. But and it was like beautiful. I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's see, isn't it amazing when we marvel at healthy communication and you know, discussions and relationships? Like we shouldn't have to marvel at this. I mean it, I it honestly goes back to like our conversation about like us marveling at like men holding babies, but like not women is like we, it, the more we normalize these these discussions and these portrayals in the media we consume, and that includes books, then the more normal they will become in real life. Yeah, I agree. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said it. <laughs> yeah, I think that in the past when I've read romance books, there's a lot of drama and miscommunication and like missed signals and Mm -hmm. just a lot of imperfect relationship things going on. So to see this was like, uh, it was really great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And that's not to say that we can't still have miscommunication, like, because let's face it, that is also very real (laughs) in relationships. Right. I was just surprised to see (laughs) just a great relationship off the bat with no drama yeah it was already a solid relationship with a good foundation and that's just what it was right off the bat yeah this is definitely a book that's low in conflict because the conflict is actually something that's like off the page that's like happened before Manon has like made it to Mm -hmm. their cottage because she's basically been ousted from her her community and potentially being hunted down because she's been accused of being a witch, which I super funny in the end, she does decide to pursue becoming a witch, which yes. I was like, I yeah, girl, that. you tell them. <laughs> <laughs> For her, the reason they're deciding that she's a witch is because she is very open about the fact that she likes to have sex and she likes to have sex with men, women, whoever, um, which I, I like too, because I feel like I'm not, it's not to say that this is a historical romance or this is a, um, I mean, I guess it's a paranormal romance, but I feel like often in romance that takes place in a time before our own, usually the heroine is painted to be like the unknowing virginal wallflower character. And mm-hmm. so to read someone who very clearly has like agency in their sexuality and their wants and their desires 
I, especially a female character, I really appreciated that. I loved, because again, that's something that I shouldn't be marveling at, but it is something that's different from what I'm used to reading, especially in a historical context. Yes. (laughs) Have you, have you read any uh, historical romance now that I think about it? No, I have not. Um, generally historical fiction is not my genre of choice. Okay. So blending that with romance would be like a double whammy of not my genre, <laughs> like <laughs> historical and romance, like too much to handle. What I appreciated also in this book, and I don't know if this is true of most romance novels, but there was a trigger warning or a content warning at the yes. beginning. And is that, is that normal? Okay, I will say it is becoming more common. However, this is still this is still a discussion that's being had currently by both bloggers, reviewers, writers, publishers. Like this is something that I, I think is an ongoing discussion, and it seems like everybody has their own opinion about it. And I will say that personally, my opinion is that. There is no harm whatsoever in including a content warning at the beginning of a book. Um, A few things recently, I feel like that's kind of come across my feed that's touched on this issue. I do follow a specific author on TikTok, and this is not me shaming her by any means. I really enjoy this author's work, but she did post a video on TikTok where she talked about how she will never include a content warning like in the beginning of her book because she finds them to be, and this is an argument I've heard on behalf of a lot of writers, is she finds it to be too spoilery. Like I know that's not a word, but it is in my (laughs) vocabulary. But like I don't want to give away things by saying it in the content warning. And then the other thing she said, which I don't disagree with, but I do think there's a difference is If there are specific warnings to be mentioned, why not weave those into the blurb for the book? And my Mm -hmm. counter argument to that is just that from the amount of people I've talked to on this podcast alone, I know so many people don't read blurbs, that they don't read the blurbs for books, that they just see an author they love or they see a cover they love or they hear, hey, this is a book about a a woman in science. Hey, this is a book about two werewolves falling in love with a witch. Like, and they just pick up the book and buy it. Like they don't think about that. And so to me, I think you're maybe just as likely, if not more likely to read a content warning if it's inside the book, as opposed to reading one woven into the blurb when it's not even clear. Like if it's in the blurb, you have to like read between the lines and like Mm -hmm. find it. Um, The other thing is that along with like the spoilers, which I don't I don't see how that's a spoiler is saying like I'm I'm just alerting you to the fact that there are going to be discussions about, you know, a priest hunting this woman down or there's going to be a woman suffering from post-traumatic stress because of like an assault like I that's something that. I just, I think just the mention of it, even though it's not triggering to me, I just find the mention of it so thoughtful that somebody is thinking ahead and saying this could be potentially triggering to someone. So I just want to make sure it's there just in case. Like, I I feel like I'd be more inclined to read a book with 
content warnings just because they're there. Like not, not even like to avoid it because of the content warnings, but just thinking like this person was so thoughtful and respectful of their readers that they included this. That to me is like an author that I want to read because of that. Yeah. That's how I felt. Like I saw the content warning, which was about, you know, the, the mention of the priest and criticism of the church, which, and, and she even says like, if that's not your thing, like, I'm just letting you know now that's yeah. what's, what's in it. And so then you can decide like, oh, this is not for me. Or in my case, I was like, oh, I love this. I want to immediately keep reading more. Yeah. See, so you had a similar response. Because, yeah. And I thought, all genres should have this. I agree. You know, at the beginning, like it's not just a romance thing. Like they all should. And I was very into the idea of having a content warning. So it's interesting that you brought up that not everybody is on board with that. Yeah. And it's the other one um, that Ellie does include a content warning. It's, It's the last sentence of it is, lastly, this book features several explicit sex scenes. And I think there's probably a lot of people, you know, either listening or who have read this book thinking like, well, duh, it's a romance novel. Like, that's my expectation. But I think that that alone is something that is worth being unpacked, because then as we found with so many guests on this show, the expectation when you're not a romance reader to read a romance is that this is going to be straight up erotic pornography on the page. And that is not the case. Um, and there are so many romances out there that are what we consider closed door, that we don't actually mm-hmm. explore any, you know, sexual relationship like in the bedroom <laughs> or kitchen, you know, wherever. Um, <laughs> and uh, so the fact that you have to like specify like that there is sex or is not sex, you know, is interesting. Um, but this has been a discussion too lately, especially with, the prevalence of people talking about the queer community, like of us being in a space where people are speaking a lot more widely and openly about their identity and the fact that so many people fall on the ace spectrum. And that mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you don't enjoy reading about sex. That doesn't mean that you don't enjoy watching people have sex. I mean, it, it really, it's a spectrum. So there's so much, right. th- there's no one size fits all, just as there isn't with a polyamorous relationship. But <laughs> it's uh, I, it's something that I've seen a lot of ACE creators calling for is like, hey, you know, would you mind leaving like, since you're already writing a content warning, can you just let me know if people are having explicit sex in this? Honestly, I, I don't mind that at all. I would also like to be yeah. told ahead of time if people aren't having like explicit sex in a book personally, <laughs> um, because there are certain books where it would save me a lot of time to decide whether or not I'm yep. going to read it. Um, <laughs> so for me, I want to see content warnings in, I don't want to say in every book, but I do think they could be written in every book because there's, I think there's a lot of things that trigger people. Like Mm -hmm. then it becomes a discussion of like, where, where do they stop? Like, what do I have to warn people about? And I think it's okay for you not to know, like as an author, Mm -hmm. I don't think you need to know right away what could be decided as triggering, but you need to listen. You need to listen to what bloggers are saying what instagrammers are saying what book talk is saying and that's not to say you have to listen to like all the bad reviews if you're you know i mean i know a lot of authors who don't 
read reviews, um, but you still need to be aware. You need to have like one ear open about like, hey, this reviewer said like a lot of shit about the book. I don't need to listen to that. However, she did mention this one thing that was triggering to her and that's why she wrote a bad review. And I did not think of this as being something that could be triggering for someone. Like it, it's just, this is what we're talking about when we talk about accountability is just sort of like hearing what people have to say. Maybe you don't agree with it. Maybe you agree with some of it, not all of it. That's perfectly fine. But what is your response to it? Are you just going to do nothing? Are you going to say something? Are you going to change the the first page of your book? Like whatever it is, just just be aware, be open, and don't close yourself off from having these discussions because I think a lot more people will be really interested in reading your books if you do include a content warning in response to a discussion like this. So, um, I mean, obviously Ellie already included a content warning, so kudos to Ellie, but this is, this is just all of this to say that we appreciated the fact that there was a content warning. It seems like between the two of us, that was something that Mm -hmm. resonated on a positive note with us. Um, and I do personally want to see more of them in books in general. And like you said, Valerie, not just romance in all books. Yeah. Genre, all genres. Anyway, back to this book. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for the tangent. (laughs) No, no. I mean, it happens regularly on this show. So it's it's perfectly um, on brand, shall we say. (laughs) Oh, gosh. I did, um, before we get to like some sexy excerpts, I did have a couple, you know, great one-liners that I just marked because, let's face it, Eamon has some great things to say. Um, And I think my favorite was, beautiful girl, have I brought you to tears with the thought of my cock? (laughs) I highlighted that one too. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty great. Uh, Because it comes from like a really heartwarming, touching scene, like an emotional (laughs) thought. And it just turns straight into that one liner. And I loved it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I will say one of the things... um, the last thing I'll say before I before I do have, you know, sexerps to share. And honestly, I could share like four. But it's so funny because we recent I recently released an episode where I complained about the book ending in a baby. <laughs> or no. Yeah. No, no, no. I think it, it was a baby and a and a marriage proposal. And it it's not that I don't like that. I just want to see other happy endings explored for people that, uh-huh. you know, aren't necessarily you know, looking to have a baby or to get married. Like I will say though, I did, I did like the ending of this book and I don't mind that at the end Manon is pregnant because I think it's because this is a different dynamic. This is not the same as reading a romance between a male character and a female character and saying, well, of course they're going to get married and have a baby because that's like the general societal expectation. (laughs) But when you're already going against the grain and you have two male characters, both of whom are wolfmen and a (laughs) female character, everybody's queer. She's training to be a witch and they're having a baby. Um, That I love. I I, I love that she calls them both her husbands. She's married to both of them. Um, mm-hmm. there's no stupid, discuss- stupid, unnecessary discussion about like, well, who's the real father? Because it doesn't matter. They're a family doesn't dynamic. Matter. Shut yep. up. 
Um, so <laughs> they're having a baby. That's all that matters. Um, yeah. And so I, I did, I had zero issues with the fact that they are expecting a baby in the end. I thought it was a sweet way to end an already very sweet queer love story. Yes, I agree. The epilogue, because it ended, I was like, oh, okay. And I flipped through on my Kindle and there was an epilogue. Huzzah! And so, <laughs> huzzah! <laughs> and so she's becoming a witch, they're married, and they're having a baby. And I said, that is all I needed. That is a great ending. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm content. I was She's happy with it. She's becoming my favorite kind of witch too. Like w- whenever I see like witches portrayed, like my favorite kind of witches are the ones where it's like they use the elements and yeah. you know they they blend potions out of like ingredients from the earth and it's more about intentions than it is about mm-hmm. you know uh, waving a wand or like magic, magic shooting out of yeah. your fingers. Like <laughs> don't yeah. get me wrong, I like that too, but I love I love seeing this kind of representation of a witch because I have several friends who identify as witches and this is the kind of magic or or ritual even. I think they consider it more ritual than they do like magic that they do. And I find it fascinating. I was going to say, I don't know any witches personally, but to me, this is how I picture somebody who is practicing witchcraft was like this character. Yeah, it's it's a lot of like modern influence in an otherworldly story. Like, I mean, I'm like, yeah. oh, this is like a very modern, you know, relationship. This is like a very modern kind of witch. Like, you know, and, and I mean, it. I like that. Like, that's I know there's a lot of people who read historical who aren't super interested in reading like feminist characters or like women having jobs and stuff in historical romance because they're like well that's not accurate to like the time and I'm like well I you just got to pick up a book and see that it's it's not everybody's story but there there were a lot of fantastic women in history who did things yeah definitely (laughs) Um, and I love those stories I love reading like a modern feminist heroine like set in 1800s like I get the shit done like that's great um so that's what I liked about this book too I mean amongst other things but yeah um we would be remiss though if we did not mention the sexy times because for a short novella Ellie covered a lot of ground (laughs) I'd expect nothing less. So did you have a specific sexerpt or favorite sexy moment that you wanted to either share aloud a, a, a scene from with the class or, uh, you know, just describe for us? I Well, so I was reading on the Kindle and I just kept highlighting different sexerpts <laughs> knowing that I would be asked about it. And so I came across the first sex scene. I said, oh, I should probably grab something from here because who knows it's a short book Mm -hmm. but then there just kept being more so I have plenty (laughs) I will read one I guess but but there is multiple I'll just pick one okay we'll see if we we'll see I'll I'll make sure that I pick a different one from the one you picked but I'm curious to see if we like highlighted the same passages (laughs) (laughs) that would be great um I have there was nothing like it the press of their hot bodies against her own, moving and writhing beneath, around her, inside her. 
She took them into her body over and over again. With each thrust, she climbed higher and higher. The sounds that came out of her were deep and guttural, and she didn't care. They fucked her and stretched her until she just wasn't herself anymore. Together, they were something else entirely. They were pleasure embodied, brought to life. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) Okay, so that's later in the book when it's like a double penetration kind of scene between the three of them. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and like we said, there's like several to choose from. There's the one where she's charcoal drawing a la Titanic, the two men having sex. Um, this one. Okay. I, I do. This is so tough because there are so many wonderful things to choose from, but this one is where, um, they're both going to go down on her. And I think it's, Maybe it's leading up to that scene. Yeah, because later in the scene is when he pulls out the lube. So this is like okay. leading up to that scene. And they've, uh, <laughs> there's some great dialogue in here. So they've uh, knelt down between her knees and they're going to go down on her. And we'll start with, mm-hmm, he laid down. I think the he is Bastion. He laid down so he was facing the apex of her thighs and lifted her leg over his shoulder. His mouth hovered just above her clitoris. He, I like clitoris, but sometimes I say (laughs) clitoris, but I just think clitoris sounds fancier. Um, I I think so. You know, he blew out a breath and it sent shivers of pleasure down to her toes. And then she watched him lick her from her entrance to her clit. She let out a half laugh, half moan. Is something funny, dear Manon? He licked her again. No, I, gods, it's just that your tongue, it's so long. I wasn't expecting it. And here comes probably my other favorite line of the book. I love, I know what's coming. (laughs) Yep. Bastian looked up at her, his eyes gleaming wickedly. All the better to fuck you with. (laughs) I love that. I also have that highlighted. (laughs) Oh, yeah. There's just, there's so many great one-liners that I just am like, "Mm, yes, great. And also never thought about the tongue. Like, I, it's not something that... I, and granted, I don't read a lot of paranormal romance in general, but I've, I don't know if I've ever really thought about it or had it brought to my attention in a paranormal romance, the like length or size of a character's tongue. So maybe that's just me being a newbie to the paranormal genre. Maybe, maybe all of these, all of these books have like wild length tongue characters in them and I just don't know (laughs) (laughs) well I love that quote too because for a while like it's in the blurb it talks about it being kind of like a little red riding hood type book and for a while I couldn't really see the connection like yeah there's a wolf in the forest and then that quote came I said ah there it is there it is that's that's the little red riding hood connection we needed (laughs) and i will say um the other the other book that we're doing for the podcast this month has a much more direct parallel for like little red riding hood like it's it's another little red riding hood a big bad wolf kind of story although there's only one wolf in that one you know disappointing Hmm. um (laughs) but i will say the whole time i was reading this i never really thought about the Red Riding Hood connection. So no. like, not necessarily a complaint, but I will say that that's, that's something where it's like, if you're looking specifically for like a Red Riding Hood 
you know, adaptation to like an erotic novella. I don't, I don't know if this is one where I'd be like, yes, it's Little Red Riding Hood. Um, so yeah. I, I didn't necessarily see that except for that one line <laughs> and the fact that yeah. we have wolves who live in the woods, but, um, <laughs> that's, that's, that was pretty much it as far as that went. Um, but doesn't matter. I don't care. I, I still very much enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, um, do you have any final notes before we dive into our ratings? I don't think so. I just think it's a really enjoyable book. Yeah. Well, I have, <laughs> yeah. To, I have to tell you too, Val, like if you, you know, I can't necessarily make a lot more of like paranormal recommendations for you, but I will say if you want to read more of Ellie's work, she does have a holiday novella that she put out last Christmas about Santa. Santa. (laughs) I saw that and it is on my radar. I am excited to check it out. pretty great. And it's a very, very quick read. And I will tell everybody that while we won't be reviewing that one for the 12 Days of Boobsmas, we will be reviewing a Santa erotica for the 12 Days of Boobsmas. So there's more than one and wow. it's happening. <laughs> I think novellas are like my new jam. I like they're great. Just a quick little read. I like the length. I like how it just moves right yeah. along. Love it. I'm with you. And I I'm think check out more. both as like readers and writers have kind of like flocked to novellas in the last year or two because of the world we live in and just sort of like the the difficulties of like committing to like a 400 page book again both as a writer and a reader um whereas (laughs) you can read a less than 100 page novella in the span of a soak in the bathtub and get out continue your day and that's it (laughs) yeah yeah (sighs) there you go Let's do let's do our ratings. So we will be rating for heart, heat, and humor on a scale of one to ten. Ten being the very best that it could possibly be. Um, at least for you, it's very subjective. And we will start with heart. What do you think? I gave it a ten. <gasps> yes. I know it's a very high rating, but I really thought it was so heartwarming. It was like weird. This is a weird description. It's wholesome for a romance novel. No, but, but like, I get it. I totally kind of get wholesome it. Wholesome and like, uh, it just like gave me the warm fuzzies. And I was rooting for every character. There was no character that was annoying or that mm-hmm. I wasn't rooting for. I just thought it had a lot of heart. <laughs> so I loved it. <laughs> I think it's funny because I think a lot of people could think like, well, how can you give like, you know, such high ratings to like such a short story. But like, for me, I'm with you, like, because there weren't all these extra characters that have zero purpose or like, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like so many books that I read, there's always like extra characters where you'll either hate them and you're just like, well, you're just here to like further the plot or like the yeah. main character's narrative don't need you. Or you're like, wow, I'm much more interested in these side characters than I am in like the main story that's happening. And the beauty of a story like this is that it's so insular. Like it's literally the three of them in this cottage, Mm -hmm. the entire story and a little bit at the end with like other people, but not really. So 
I think because of that, you have to focus so much on just this trio that I'm with you. The heart is so high because it's just about the love that they all have for each other. And it's so funny to think of it as wholesome, but I I totally understand (laughs) (laughs) where you're coming from because it really, because of that, it's so, it's literally just like a love story. Like, let's just focus on the love. And that's exactly what she's done. So I'm with you. I'm going to give it a 10. (laughs) Right. Yay. Yeah. Okay. How about humor? (laughs) All the better to fuck you with. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It was so great. Um, I gave it an eight because there were just those little run lighters. I literally chuckled out loud in the bathtub. I did too. Multiple times. More than once. So I think that to get multiple out loud chuckles deserves a, a pretty high rating for humor because I, and I think I didn't go into it expecting to laugh nice. at this book. And so it was an unexpected, nice surprise. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I, I think I'd be between a seven and an eight um, because I too chuckled. I think it's definitely like my brand of humor. Like it's the humor mm-hmm. I appreciate. I will say I don't, it's not what I would consider like a laugh out loud book for the majority of readers. Um, But there are definitely moments that I think the lines, like those specific lines will just like, oh, I love it. They, They just made me chuckle. And I like a good work for your comedy kind of story. Like I, I'm not... I'm not into like the physical comedy. I'm not into the slapstick so much. Um, like it has its time and place and this isn't it for me personally. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I I like the comedy that was there. I just definitely think there, there are some more like serious tones kind of like in the background of this book. Um, and so that's the only reason I wouldn't like rate it higher is I just want to you know, make sure people understand, like, it's not like a uproarious rom-com. Ha ha ha. She ran into him with her coffee. Yeah. Spill. Like, um, which again is probably what is supposed to be considered funny that I don't even find that funny anyway. Oh yeah. That's not for me either. (laughs) Oh gosh. Now how about the heat? Um, and I want you to think about too, like in terms of like the romance that you have read, sort of like how this measures up against them. It was a lot steamier than books I have read mm-hmm. because the couple that I have read were like closed door or they're just like those little holiday rom-coms where it's not very spicy and steamy and in the bedroom and explicit. Except for the gingerbread um, cookies cooking in the oven. Ha ha ha. Um, so for me, I gave it an eight and a half okay. because I feel like I know, I imagine that there mut- that there for sure is steamier, hotter romances on the market, but it was my first like threesome scene that yeah. I have read. And to me also relating to the characters or like rooting for the characters and ha- them having so much heart made it seem hotter to me because they because and because it was consensual and Mm -hmm. it was loving and I was like this is so freaking hot like I enjoy it um 
So for me, it was pretty high. I get, didn't give it a 10 because I, I assume there's more out there <laughs> that I have not <laughs> discovered yet. Yeah. But uh, so for like your readers, it would probably not be a 10 on a scale of one to 10. But for me, it was getting there because <laughs> I was reading some of this. I was like, ooh. I know. Hot in my bath. Hot in my bath. Ooh, is it me? Is it the top? I don't know. Um, no, that, it, that's so funny that you mentioned that because I, I've gotten to the point where, and this is why I hate ratings in general. Like I, I'm so close to just scrapping them altogether. But for me, I have like two heat ratings. I have like the heat rating that's like my personal interest heat rating, which mm-hmm. I would also probably put at like a, a nine because I just think the the level of consent and the the fact that we get to see like the two men together and we get to see all three of them together. Like it's, I love a good variety. I love the fact that they use lube, like lube makes it like a 12 for me alone. (laughs) Like I, but when I think about it in terms of like recommending it off of heat level to other people, I have like a different rating because I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. I do know what else is out there. And I have read books where I'm like, oh my gosh, they've got toys. They're like doing it upside down and here and there and over there, you know? And and so I can't say it's a 10 because of those books that I've read. And so this is one where I think if I, if I were to give a heat, like a general heat rating for like other readers, I would probably say around an eight um, because we do have a poly relationship. We do have double penetration, mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's like some oral, there's uh, some hand stuff like there. There's a good variety. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's not the level of like heat that I've read in other books. So personally, it's a nine, maybe even a nine and a half. Like I this is the kind of Woo-hoo. heat that I want to read. This is like my yeah. ideal level of heat. Um, not too much either. Not too much. Not too little. It's like the mm-hmm. perfect amount um, the Goldilocks, if you will, the Goldilocks yeah. of romance novels. So, <laughs> you know, fits right in. But um, well, we were pretty on uh, on par with each other. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I I feel like even when it comes to the ratings, I will say the one thing that has been like consistent throughout the evolution of boobies and newbies is just that, regardless of our reading levels regard regardless of like how much romance we've read I'm usually pretty on par with the ratings of my guests not always but I will say I feel like a good 80% of the time we are pretty much on par with the way that we give ratings for the book so that just goes to show you like whether you're a a new a newbie romance reader or one that's been reading it for years I think we can still kind of recognize a good story and characters that interest us and a love story that makes Mm -hmm. us feel something um, or a steamy scene that has a steaming of the bathroom. Like, I mean, there, (laughs) I think there's a lot of things we can connect on while reading a romance. If you take the time to read it and discuss it. I agree. There you go. Well, I'm so glad that you joined me today. I'm so glad that Bebe is still out for her, morning stroll with Papa Bear. So this has enabled you to be able to have this conversation. And um, I like that we, we went on a, we went on some tangents, but I I like some tangents. I think they're tangents worth discussing. So uh, 
Thank you for that. Yes, thank you for having me. I enjoyed this book. Thank you for recommending such a good book for my first <laughs> real dive into some, you know, more explicit sex scenes. So that's great. Yeah. So what's up next then for you? I mean, are do you, first of all, do you want to read more romance? And secondly, is there something specific that you want to read? Like, because between me and our listeners, maybe we can get you some recommendations. Ooh, well, I like I said before, I would be very interested in reading more novellas. That length mm-hmm. is perfect for me as a busy mom. Um, and of the two novellas that I've or three novellas I've read, um, I would be interested. I mean, it might be kind of boring, but like in a uh, male female, <laughs> because I usually have been reading a lot of queer romances, which is great, love, but uh, something that more is resemblance of like my life and things that I'm interested in sexually Mm -hmm. um maybe something with a bebe (laughs) but I don't know about a secret bebe that one is a weird one to me like a like a (laughs) consensual mutual knowledge of a bebe (laughs) which which um is Is that hard to come by (laughs) It is harder to come by than you would think. Like <laughs> mutual knowledge of a baby. <laughs> no, it's I feel like most of the time when there's mutual knowledge and appreciation of said baby, it's usually go. the ending or epilogue oh, of a okay. book. It's it's less of like the 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 main plot line. That's um, such which a bummer. Someone needs to write that. that. <sighs> I know I will tell you that the NaNoWriMo project I started a couple years ago was about a woman who had a one night stand and didn't know who the dude was and was pregnant. And then it became like kind of a story about her trying to figure out like who the dad was. But at the same time, her friend who's like helping her hunt for the dad is falling in love with her while she's pregnant. And then it's kind of like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter who the biological father is because like this man is already the baby's daddy. Like, um, never finished it. I never finished the project, but maybe, maybe I'll get back to it. (laughs) Yeah. Because pregnant people have sex. People with babies have sex. Like let's write that in. Right. Right. (laughs) You keep working on that, Kelly. I'd read it. Yeah, and I will I will do my best to find a book for you that is like um, all parties involved know of the existence <laughs> of said baby. Great, looking forward to it. Thanks so much for listening. Boobies and Newbies is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. You can follow Boobies and Newbies on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Boobies Podcast.